0: Before we read the the text for our sermon today, I would encourage you to give. Um, I've heard there's a box outside, and as a visiting minister, you can always do that. So um, feel free to give uh, in the back after the service. So I would invite you to turn with me to Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter 6, and while you turn there, let me invite you to the evening service. We'll be looking at 2 Samuel 6, which is a great story, where David and the people of Israel bring the Ark of the Covenant to Jerusalem. And I would also encourage you to come back for the reading, which is Revelation 21, and I'm almost more excited about the reading than the sermon this evening. And I want to encourage you because it helps us to deepen what we read today about the Lord's Day and honoring and loving God. Well, let's hear the word of God from Luke chapter 6. And I'm reading to us the verses 1 to 11. Oh, I'm reading 6 to 11. Well, we'll come back to the first verses later. Luke 6, starting this with verse 6. On another Sabbath, He entered the synagogue and was teaching, and a man was there whose right hand was withered. And the scribes and the Pharisees watched him to see whether he would heal on the Sabbath, so that they might find a reason to accuse him. But he knew their thoughts, and he said to the man with the withered hand, Come and stand here. And he rose and stood there. And Jesus said to them, I ask you, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do harm, to save life or to destroy it? And after looking around at them all, he said to him, Stretch out your hand. And he did so, and his hand was restored. But they were filled with fury and discussed with one another what they might do to Jesus. Let's pray one more time. Heavenly Father, your word is everlasting. We are like grass and the glory of man is like the flower of the grass. The grass withers and the flower fall apart. But your word stands forever. And so, Heavenly Father, refresh us by your spirit and your word this morning. So we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Did you know, or do you know, that Jesus was a man of habits? He was a man who did the same thing over and over again. Every day, every week, every month, every year. And, and that's part of being a Jew at the time of Jesus. Every year, three dates in the year, you went up to Jerusalem. That was required by the law. And as a man, you had to go. But Jesus had small habits as well. And we see them in Luke's Gospel. If you turn with me back to chapter 4, chapter 4 and verse 16, we read... And he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and as was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and he stood up to read. So it was Jesus' custom, his habit, to be in the synagogue on the Sabbath day. He went there every seventh day of the week. And in this He went there to read and teach from the word of God. And later in the chapter, verse 31, we read, And he went down to Capernaum, a city of Galilee, and he was teaching them on the Sabbath day, or on the Sabbath. So, again, Jesus went to the synagogue on the Sabbath to teach. It was his habits. If we look at verses 15, we read, And he taught in the synagogues, being glorified by all. And then later, verse 44, we read, And he was preaching in the synagogues of Judea. And this probably took place on a Sabbath, because that was the day when the people come together to hear the word of God, and to be taught by the rabbi, or in this case, Jesus. So Jesus had a habit, and we have an application, before we even jump into the text today, for us, and the application is to make the Sabbath day, the Sunday, a habit in our life. Uh, It sometimes feels feels strange to preach to people who are there, because you're here, but the question is, why are you here? Are you here because you want to be here or are you here because you have to? Maybe your parents drag you along because they want to be here and you have to come as well. Or maybe you come on your own because that's the thing you do as a Christian, isn't it? But Jesus made it a habit because he wanted to be there. And we see this early in his life when he was 12 years old. His whole family was traveling back to to the hometown, but Jesus stayed in the temple because he wanted to be in the presence of the Lord. He said, I have to be where my father is. And so Jesus didn't have to think what he would be doing next Sabbath day because he knew he would be in a synagogue. No matter where he is, and he was all over the place in Israel, he went to a synagogue every Sunday. And we see this pattern continuing when we look at Paul's life. The first thing he did in every town he went to the synagogue on a Sabbath to teach and preach. So we shouldn't be surprised when Luke starts chapter 6 from verse 6 with the words, on another Sabbath he entered the synagogue and was teaching. And Jesus says, uh, Luke says, another Sabbath because the, the The paragraph before we read about jesus on a sabbath day and what we see there is that the pharisees didn't like jesus much and his disciples were taking some of the corn that was just starting to to be ready for harvest and they took it and they put it between their hands and they start eating it probably because they were hungry and the pharisees accused them of breaking the sabbath and jesus makes sure that the that uh, the pharisees understand who is the lord of the sabbath and when we now look in our passage today we see the same problem the problem of the pharisees against jesus the pharisees who who are not there in the synagogue to 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 listen to jesus but to basically bring him down and what we will see today is two things about the Pharisees and one thing about Jesus. And what we see about Jesus is that he is raising the bar, that he, he is he's making sure that the people understand what the Sabbath is about. He is he's giving us a better standard. To, and, and it's important to understand that we, we can fall into the trap that we think Jesus lowers the bar. We often think, well, the Sabbath laws, they are in the Old Testament and now we live in the New Covenant and we have freedom in Christ and obviously we don't want to sin because we shouldn't use our freedom to sin. But nonetheless, it's easier now, isn't it? But Jesus actually makes it harder. We have God himself walking on the earth telling us what to do on the Sabbath and it's better we listen to God than ourselves or to the opinions from men. so let's look first at the pharisees and the first thing we learn about the pharisees is their wickedness that's the first point the wickedness of the pharisees and this is particularly evident today you see the scribes and the pharisees they they seem to be very pious These were those men who, when you listen to praying, you would be impressed by the words they used and the long prayers they could pray. They they had this habit of standing at the corners of the cities and towns, and just to show how good they are at prayer. And they would be there in the synagogue every Saturday, every Sabbath. But their heart was far from God's. They were there, but we can wonder if they wanted to be there. The interest was not God's, but themselves, and we see this today. Jesus is in the synagogue to teach, and there's a man with a withered hand, a man whose right hand didn't have proper blood circulation, so it it, it started to wither. He was disadvantaged. He could not do much. He wasn't unclean, so he was part of the community. But, but his working life must have been very difficult. And he was dependent on, on other people in, in his life. But the scribes and Pharisees didn't care about this man or about his withered hand. They wanted to use him to have something to accuse Jesus. They were there to see if Jesus would heal. Would he heal today, on the Sabbath day, on the holy day where we should rest? Would he do that? Here in our synagogue. Luke says, And the scribes and the Pharisees watched him to see whether he would heal on the Sabbath so that they might find a reason to accuse them. You see, they didn't care about the man, uh, if he's getting well or not. They didn't care about the word that was read this morning or afternoon. And they didn't care about what Jesus taught that day. They weren't there to hear the word of God. They were there to accuse Jesus. They want to get him. They finally want to, to, to bring him down. And I think this helps us to understand the Gospels because the moment Jesus arrives on this earth, there is a there is a fight that's going on for all the, for all the centuries, but it's becoming evident. It's the fight between God and the devil. It's this battle that will continue till the end of times, and we see this. Evident in Jesus' life, right at the beginning after his baptism, the first thing that happens is that the devil tempts him and wants him to sin. And this battle continues through the whole life of Jesus. And the Pharisees are part of this battle. And they're not on Jesus' side. They're on the devil's side. They are fighting against the Son of God. And they want to get rid of them. At the end of our passage, it, it says that they discussed how they, what they could do to Jesus. And, and the Greek implies here that they discussed how they can hurt Jesus or even kill him. And there should be a warning for us because outward piety is not enough. Outward piety doesn't ensure us to be on the right side. Doing the right thing is good. But the question is, how do you stand, or where do you stand, on Jesus' side, or not? And we see this truth, perhaps, that that humbles us. That sometimes those who know everything, who have figured out everything who can tell you exactly what which passage means. Those Christians who, who seem to be the perfect Christian sometimes are not fighting for Christ. And we, see, we saw this in recent years. I'm not sure how much you follow American evangelicalism, but Josh Harris, who wrote this best-selling book, Kiss Dating Goodbye, he, he walked away from the faith being a minister of of almost a megachurch, declaring that he doesn't believe anymore, but telling everyone else how to date and find your spouse. This is a reality. You see, in in Matthew 7, Jesus says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who doth the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I've never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. And these were the Pharisees. Remember the discussion Jesus has with the Pharisees about casting out demons? Jesus asked, in which name do your sons cast out demons? They did great works. They were, they were the most pious people in all of Israel. But at the end, they didn't belong to Jesus. And Jesus never knew them. I think what we can learn here is to examine our hearts. On which side are we? Are we here to perform our Christian duties? Or are we here because we love the Lord? And we want to learn from him? Well, let's walk away from these Hypocrites and Pharisees and let's look to our Savior Jesus Christ because when we look at Jesus we really see the standard for the Sabbath we really see what it's about it's, it's not only about outward performance even though proper observance is important Jesus chose us more you see he knew exactly what the Pharisees were thinking And that's the reason why he caused this man to to the front. And it's kind of exactly the opposite of what I would have done. If I knew they are there to test me, I wouldn't try to engage with this man, at least not during the service. But Jesus, Jesus calls him to the front where he is at the center of the service where the word of God was laid out, where it was read and where it was taught and where everyone could see this poor man. He is in the spotlights. The Pharisees were on the side. There were the nice benches where they could sit. And then there was the the normal people to say and standing in front of this man and I can just imagine how uncomfortable he must have felt next to Jesus, in front of all those. He just wanted to be there to hear Jesus, and now he's suddenly in the front of, of everyone. But Jesus wanted to to prove a point, point. that's what I was saying at the beginning. Jesus raises the standard, and that leads us to our second point this morning, the standard of Jesus. The standard of Jesus. We have seen the wickedness of the Pharisees, and now we see the standard of Jesus. He asked an important question after this man came to the front. He says, I ask you, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do harm, to save life or to destroy it? And the answer is obvious. It's always the right thing to do good. We should never do evil, even if it's not the Sunday. We shouldn't do any evil. And we should always strive to save life. And with this simple question, he, the Pharisees had nothing at hand anymore. They, they had nothing they could bring against Jesus anymore. If he is healing this man now, is he doing good or evil? Is he saving life or is he destroying life? If Jesus heals now the Pharisees and scribes can't accuse him anymore but I think Jesus question can be answered on a second level it's not only about our physical life that our bodies are well I mean the Sabbath and the Sunday is given for us to us for that that we can rest and give our bodies rest but it's also about our spiritual life isn't it you see, the Sabbath is given to the people to rest. It is given to us that our souls may rest and find peace. See, Israel should remember the redemption, the introduction, or, or, or the argument for, this, for the Sabbath commandment is remember that you were slaves and I saved you. The, the Sunday is given to us to, to, to remember that we are saved by grace through faith. And At the end of the day, we can ask ourselves two questions every Sunday or, or when, when the week is leading up to Sunday. Is what I am going to do good for me and for my neighbors or my family? If I do this or that, I'm doing something good or something evil. it give me peace of mind. Can I help my family when I do this? When I visit my neighbor on a Sunday and might pop into the shop because he's not doing well and get something for him, is it good or evil? But I think the, the bigger question we, we should ask is, is what I'm doing good for my spiritual life? and for the spiritual life of, of those around me. You see, and I think here Jesus raises the standard of the Sabbath. The Pharisees were concerned about outward performance and outward righteousness. And, and sadly, this is an issue for the Jews till today. They, they're counting steps. They walk outside of the home. They, they, they turn off all electricity to, to just be sure to not break the Sabbath. Sabbath. And, and, the, and the Pharisees were concerned about all these outward things. It was important that rules were followed. And their self-made catalog had to, to, to be followed. And these rules for the Pharisees were more important than the man with the withered hand. He was there among them. the main important thing was that everything was good on the outside. And we ask ourselves, where was the heart? We can ask ourselves, if I do this now on a Sunday, will it help my spiritual life? Will it give me peace? Does it give my soul peace? If I do this Does it help me to understand more of God? Does it help my family to grow in grace and faith? Does it help my relationship to Christ and God? Or does this relationship go into the background because I want to do this now? Do you want to grow through Facebook? Or Instagram or TikTok or Snapchat? No, I don't know what's around there. But do I want to spend my day on social media? Or do I want to read the word of God? Do I want to worry about tomorrow? Or do I want to rest in the Lord? Will it help my sanctification if I use Sundays to watch the next Hollywood blockbuster? Or the Netflix show? Nothing against that. But it is good for me if I do that on a Sunday. The question Jesus really is asking here is what I am concerned about on Sunday? That everyone looks at me and praises me for my good Sabbath observance? Or do I want to rest in the Lord? We can sanctify the Sabbath outwardly and and check that our rules are in balance and in order with the Bible. And we always should do that. But if it's only about keeping rules, neither we nor God enjoys the Sabbath. And if it's only about keeping rules, I promise you, at some point in your life you will give up. You will give up. That's the whole point of the law. You can try to keep it as good as you want. You can't. And at some point you give up and find your hope in Christ. But Sunday should be a joy for us because it's the time we have by God. Our six other days in the week are so full that this one day can be be emptied. And we don't have to do much on a Sunday. And most of you don't have to do anything on a Sunday, really. You can come here and be refreshed by the Word of God and filled. We should ask, why should I fill this day with the distractions of this world and of everyday life? I read this verse already today, but it says, If you call the Sabbath, your delight. The Sabbath, the Sunday should be a joy for us. It should be the day we're looking forward to. When you wake up tomorrow morning, your thought be, wow, in six days there is a Sunday. And I can rest. And the Puritans called this Sunday the marketplace for the soul. And that was a striking picture because what you did back then was you go to the markets to sell your stuff or to buy the things you need for the day. And that's what we do from Monday to Saturday. We deal with the distractions of this life. We have to get things done. We have to cook food. We have to clean the house. We, we have to get the plumbing fixed. We have to call because the telephone isn't working. We have to do and do and do and do. And then there are all the distractions coming. And Sunday, we don't have to worry about these things. Who cares if someone can call you on Sunday? And yeah, maybe the plumbing is leaking a little bit but we can deal with this tomorrow but today we can rest and enjoy this day and enjoy our savior I would really recommend one thing that helps switch off your mobile phones just switch them off it's easy to not go to the computer it's easy to not turn on the TV but the phones are ringing all the time Just switch them off. You don't need them today. You don't need them. Just use this day in prayer and in the Word of God. There's nothing better we can do. I'm a minister, so I have the privilege to spend most of my day from Monday to Saturday, even Sunday, in the Word of God. But still, to have one day in the week where I can only be in the Word of God, it's it's like heaven. Because there are so many destructions during the week. And I think what Jesus is getting at is that we should enjoy the Sabbath and we should think about what is good for us. What is good for our bodies and what is good for our souls. And so Jesus asked this question and then he looks around and after looking around at at them all he said to them, stretch out your hand and he did so, and his hand was restored. And And we can imagine the inexpressible joy this man must have had. He, he takes out his hand, and he doesn't expect anything, and then he looks at his hand, and it looks like his left hand suddenly. There's blood in his hand again, and there's flesh, and, and it's not withered it anymore, and, 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 and he can use it, and he can do his work, and he can go about his business tomorrow, and and who would have thought that he would have his hand back in this life? And I, I imagine that, like the paralyzed man, Jesus healed before he went home, praising God with joy. It was a day where Jesus did good for him. I think for his body and his soul. But the Pharisees and the scribes, they thought differently. They did not rejoice with this man because they they didn't care about this man. They cared about the problem that now they have nothing that they can hold against Jesus. Their plan didn't work out, and what should they do now? But their attitude didn't change, so the miracle Jesus performed didn't change their hearts. The words Jesus taught didn't change their heart. And we learn something about the Pharisees, which will be our third point this morning. They couldn't recognize Jesus. The inability of the Pharisees. They were simply not able to understand who Jesus is. Look at verse 11. But they were filled with fury and discussed with one another what they might do to Jesus. I don't know how much you love grammar, but this is passive here. They were filled with fury. Well, they were filled with not understanding who Jesus is. That's what fury in the Greek. The Greek word means they. They weren't able to understand that Jesus is the Son of God because they were filled with this not understanding. And and this leaves us with this. Imp- important question we, saw, we, we have to ask. Who did this to them? Was it God who with Pharaoh hardened their hearts so that at the end he can show his glory and, and, and show that he is right? Or was it the devil? Because that was Satan does since the beginning of time. He tries to get people away from God and blind them so that they can see the Lord. And we would like to answer this question, but we can't because the text is not telling us. But what the text is telling us, that God didn't give them the grace to understand who Jesus is. God had not given to them the Holy Spirit to see Jesus. You see what Jesus says in John 5? He's, he's talking to the Pharisees and he says, you search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. Not a bad approach. Search the scriptures to find eternal life. But then Jesus says, and it is they, the scriptures, that bear witness about me. And this is a truth we often don't like because it tells us we're not able. But there's a need of God's work in our hearts and in the hearts of our neighbors and families and friends so that we are able to see who Jesus is, so that when we search scriptures to find eternal life, we find Jesus. We need the Holy Spirit to know Christ. Our friends and neighbors need the Holy Spirit and this is the truth that brings us back to our feet that we start praying for us and for those around us to pray that we will find or that they will find jesus see we can talk about the sabbath and how great the sabbath is and and we can we can try to work harder to rejoice in the spirit, but at the end, most of what we do as Christian starts with God working in us, and so we have to be on our knees to pray for that. We have to be on our knees to pray, for brother. So let us take three things away this morning. First, what the the Pharisees and scribes were against Jesus, and that's what we experience often: the people who might not look like that, they're against Jesus or against God because they don't like what he's saying or what he's teaching. Even Christians sometimes um, behave like that. And then second, we, we have to recognize that the Christian standard for the Lord's Day is higher than we sometimes think. It's not just about not going to work or not going shopping. It's about Actively seeking to do good to us and others. And then the third thing is the deep, deep need of God's work in the life.